here's where I, I like just want to push back a little bit and I'm, but like these children may be exhibiting the antisocial tendencies of the fathers who left the relationship so let's buy what you just said okay, okay? then i want you to then contextualize the severity of the quote i read earlier which I will read again. In the 1950s, fewer than 5% of babies born in this country were born to unmarried mothers. Today, nearly half of all babies in America are born to unmarried mothers. A lot of people, when we talk about sort of genetic shifts in, in the country's like sociological profiles, they think that these happen slowly. They do not. And so what we're going to see is across all ethnic groups in this country, the whatever genetic correlate there is to this behavioral pattern is going to begin to become dramatically more common in the population. But the other traits that it is correlated with, i.e. substance abuse, depression, anxiety, externalizing behavior disorders, those are also going to explode. Also things like dropping out of college, dropping out of high school, not having a job. Those are also going to explode. Uh, and it shouldn't be a surprise that these things cross-correlate. I just typically don't point this out due to the offensive nature of admitting that humans have genes and that affects behavior patterns. How dare you? To extreme lefties. But I mean, it's true. Humans have genes. I'm, I'm sorry. Would you like to know more? Hello, Simone. I am so excited to be talking to you because I am so excited to be married to you. Mm. So, this episode is going to be done on the statistics of marriage, single parents, and the consequences to children, as well as realistic long-term solutions to the way that people pair bond and stuff like that in, in, in the context of having kids. So the first one I really wanted to go over here, which is a study that I think really flies in the face of what a lot of people intuit about marriage. So it's important to sort of start with this, because I think a lot of people, they go into this being like, well, marriage makes you less happy, right? This is this is just something you see, especially if you're in these like red pilly circles and stuff like that. Yeah. So last, I'm, I'm quoting here, last month, for example, the University of Chicago economist uh, Sam Paltzman published a study in which he found that marriage was the most important differentiator between happy and unhappy people. Married people are 30 points happier than unmarried. Income contributes to happiness too, but not as much. So just to clarify, if you were going to contrast the amount of happiness that marriage gives the average person when contrasted with a non-married person, that would be the equivalent to the boost in happiness you would get from an additional income of seventy-five dollars to $100,000 a year. So in other words, if you were to give somebody $50,000 extra a year in salary, that would not correlate with an equivalent happiness boost as marriage does. You would need to offer them $75,000 to $100,000. According to an analyst of recent survey data by the University of Virginia, Professor Brad Wilcox, 25% of adults ages 18 to 40 said that making a good living was crucial to fulfillment in life, while only 32% thought that marriage was crucial to fulfillment. In a Pew Research survey, 88% of parents said it was extremely or very important for their kids to be financially independent, while only 21% said it was extremely or very important for their kids to marry. So the point here is that there is this misperception in society that your most important goal, like even if you're just carried about personal hedonism, should be, and personal happiness and personal contentment, should be to be well off financially. Mm -hmm. 
that is just demonstrably untrue from the data. You are much better off being less happy, less, less lower income, typically within the income bracket you would expect for yourself and married right. and in a good relationship than you are right. to be higher income and unmarried. Um, but our society it, does not imply that. I mean, the data may, may indicate as such, but if you were to go off mainstream societal norms, you, you'd think it was crazy to focus on marriage which could become abusive or substandard or end in divorce or you grow apart. And also look at how marriages are depicted in media. They're not that fun. And in part of that's it's a plot device. I mean, boring, happy marriages are boring. They're not good fodder for a show or a movie or any sort of story plot. Mm -hmm. But my point is, like, this is not obvious to people. I think it's more than that. I think that there is a concerted effort to some extent to paint marriage as not fun. I think, yeah. So I think that there's a few motivations here. I, I don't think it's like an intentional concerted effort, but I do think it's a, an emergent property of the way the types of people who end up being showrunners and writers in Hollywood divide from the mainstream population. Hmm. They're much more likely to be individuals who are deep into the urban monoculture and single themselves. It, 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 they, they have not experienced marriage. They paint marriage both with a sour grapes mindset because of this and within a community and culture that is not good at rewarding stable marriages. Mm. So there, there's, there's just a lot less of them. I mean, you're, you're obviously going to see much more stable marriages within conservative cultural communities, which are going to be much more rural and stuff like that, than the types of people who are writing these shows in LA. And as society drifts further apart from each other, you know, the left and the right, but as the left begins to dehumanize the right more and more, they have a harder time interacting with or modeling people of the opposite political persuasion. And as such, they cannot write like what these stable marriages look like without making digs that their culture needs to sort of insert into them. That if a marriage is like conservative-ish in some way, that the woman must be being oppressed, for example, mm. or must hate her life. So I think that that's, that's part of, of what you have going on in, in these depictions. But you also have this with teachers and stuff like that. You know, a lot of these people are very unlikely to be married. They're much more likely to be in allegiance with the urban monoculture when contrasted with their local communities. And as such, they, they teach kids this cultural value system of money matters more than anything. And I remember this is something my mom really pushed against me as a kid uh, because I thought education mattered more than anything. And she made it very clear that within our family, it did not. The most important thing was who you marry and everything else is secondary to that. She's like, because I was so stressed about what college I was going to go into. And she and I was like, it's the most important decision of my life. I said, she goes, it's not even close. The most important decision is who you marry and never forget that. But it is, it is very, very true because I think that the generation above us, you know, they had all these bad marriages. If you look at the data and our generation actually has pretty solid marriages and it's because they didn't really realize this. And then there was a bit of a sour grapes and how the next generation was made. And, you know, uh, uh, people are, are just out to get you, but it's, ha it's having a consequence to kids of the next generation. So as another chilling statistic, in 1950, fewer than 5% of babies in this country were born to unmarried mothers. Today, nearly half of all babies in America are born to unmarried mothers. Most surprising, most surprising and worrisome is this trend is divided along class lines with children whose mothers don't have a college degree being more than twice as likely compared to children of college educated mothers to live in a single parent home. 
Now, mm-hmm. I don't know who that was surprising to, but it, it, it is definitely increasing. And this is something we're seeing in society more broadly. And I think that this is something that is hugely missed by the left because they have a complete blindness to a person's cultural and genetic background. And I'm not talking about ethnic background. I'm just talking about individually. Genes do have a correlation with earning potential IQ and other sociological traits. And that as we have allowed this to continue, we are disproportionately hurting those individuals in our society who are the least well off while dramatically increasing their plight. So, you know, if you look at children who are raised in single parent households, I'm going to read some quotes here. Across a number of studies, children raised in single mother families are at a heightened risk for substance abuse, depression, anxiety, and externalizing behavior disorders. And then another one says, children who grow up with only one of their biological parents, nearly always a mother, are disadvantaged across a broader way of outcomes. They are twice as likely to drop out of high school, 2.5 times as likely to become teen mothers, and 1.4 times as likely to be idle. Okay, so here's where I, I, like just want to push back a little bit and I'm, because I think at least a lot of viewers are going to think this as well is okay. Right. But like these children may be exhibiting the antisocial tendencies of the fathers who left the relationship. They may have been addicted. They may have done something that got them in jail. And that's why these mothers are single mothers. And these mothers who are single mothers may also be more likely to have been teen moms themselves because again they're single mothers they're not like women who are 40 years old and deciding responsibly to you know have a child solo and raise them typically okay so let's buy what you just said okay okay basically what you are arguing and i will actually say studies have been done on this and it does show that you're mostly correct okay uh, people who become single parents through factors not of their own you don't see most of these problems so this is you know the spouse dies or something so if that's true, okay, if these negative traits that I'm seeing here that are seen at much higher rates among single mothers are, are happening for genetic reasons and, 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 and cultural reasons, and that that is the predominant reason why people become single mothers, then I want you to then contextualize the severity of the quote I read earlier, which I will read again. In the 1950s, fewer than 5% of babies born in this country were born to unmarried mothers. Today, nearly half of all babies in America are born to unmarried mothers. That means that I I think a lot of people, when we talk about sort of genetic shifts in, in the country's like sociological profiles, they think that these happen slowly. They do not. If you go from something like, if you had a population of moths, right? And in one generation, 5% of the moths had spots on their wings. And within, you know, 50 years, uh, you you measure the population again, and 50% of the moths have spots on their wings. Mm-hmm. What do you think the moths are going to look like in another 50 years, in another 30 years, right? And keep in mind, we're talking about sociological profiles here, which exist across ethnic groups and change really quickly. This is partially why I think this whole ethnic grouping idea of genetics that a lot of people do is, is pointless because it, it, it hugely undercounts how quickly 
a sociological profile can change within an ethnic group due to really strong selective pressures like this. And so what we're going to see is across all ethnic groups in this country, the whatever genetic correlate there is to this behavioral pattern is going to begin to become dramatically more common in the population. Hmm. And the other traits that it is correlated with, i.e. substance abuse, depression, anxiety, externalizing behavior disorders, those are also going to explode. Also things like dropping out of college, dropping out of high school, not having a job, those are also going to explode. Uh, and it shouldn't be a surprise that these things cross-correlate. I just typically don't point this out due to the offensive nature of admitting that humans have genes and that affects behavior patterns. How dare you? To extreme lefties. But I mean, it's true. Humans have genes. I'm, I'm sorry. But do you have anything you wanted to talk on on this? Or? It's just depressing because, you know, I mean, our, our goal with prenatalism is to encourage sort of the maximum number of amazing childhoods possible. And I don't think these stats are describing amazing childhoods. So. Well, no. And, well. and, and, and you can look at this, this, this genetic profile that leads to single mothers as a biologically adaptive genetic profile. Yeah. Um, by that, what yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's working. Whatever, whatever environmental pressures are keeping the rest of the population unfertile, are not appearing within this subset of the population, or at least they're not affecting the subset of the population as much. And so they are being active and directed, directly selected for, which is going to lead to even more of this behavior in the future. And the paper behavior will be more severe in the future. Yeah. And I, I think that this also causes, when I talk about this as being a, like a biological profile or, or sociological profile that is adapted to our current age, one thing we need to consider, and we've mentioned this in another episode, but it's worth reiterating, is the huge costs that the states put on individuals for breeding outside of their population group, if they are in like a economically successful population group, that they're really, really high due to child support. So, you know, you're not going to get the same sort of genetic uh, normalization that you would in historic societies. Um, and so if you do get really differentiated, but also genetically isolated strategies for overcoming fertility collapse, um, you are going to begin to see some level of speciation within humanity. And we are going to begin to see something that humanity has never had to really deal with, which is genuine human diversity. Hmm. And, and, you know, some racists will be like, no, there's big differences between like ethnic groups. It's like, even at the, like, the most extreme end, when you're talking about even potential differences between ethnic groups, even claim differences, you're, you're talking like a standard deviation in IQ. We are talking like three standard deviations, four standard deviations in IQ in just 75 to 100 years between population groups and radically different behavior patterns between population groups. Yeah, and it will right. not matter what ethnicity the starting individuals were within these selective pressures, because you are seeing conversion evolution with, within each ethnic group, individuals who have this polygenic profile that we're talking here overrepresented within them, somehow making it through this, this genetic crucible that we're going well, through. I should... I should also add, like to add to this point of selection pressures for having kids, like from a policy standpoint, it's also being reinforced. And we pointed this out in another episode, but it bears repeating that if you look at services for parents provided by the state in the United States, so provided by each state and that varies from state to state, 
the vast majority of services that make parenting easy, which is to say free childcare, free healthcare for your kids, free food for your kids, free transportation for your kids, all sorts of services, these are only available to very low-income families. So basically there's this huge like drop in marginal cost to having kids or opportunity cost to having kids for one group of the population, but not for middle and a high income earners. So there, this isn't just like a, something that, that is happening naturally. There's also like a policy mechanism at play. I'm not saying that like low income people should not be having kids, but I am saying that a lot of middle and high income people are not having kids because for them, the opportunity cost is incredibly high. They're not going to get free childcare. They're not going to get a get free healthcare for their kids. And I just went through our tax bill or, or like in our tax return, I, I think we might be able to write off some of our healthcare expenses and oh my God, the amount that we spent on our kids for healthcare, even though we're insured and, and we pay for insurance. So that's another factor at play that, that exacerbates. Well, yeah. And even we, we could not afford regular daycare on our salary. <laughs> yeah. We can't afford it. We, we've had to come up with alternate solutions, but you know, and we're only getting to kid number four now. So mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's getting absolutely ridiculous in terms of the way that the government is prioritizing handling this. And it is exacerbating this speciation event that, that we might be going through right now uh, mm -hmm. because you're getting this degree of behavioral isolation. Another thing that I, I wanted to talk about here that I think is really interesting in looking for partners, and it's something that we've seen, is the difficulty people have in looking for partners because finding partners is a big part like the marriage Huge. crisis like nobody getting married or or thinking that marriage is a good idea is 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 part of what's contributing to this well, and um, also people on both sides men and women becoming just sucky partners people now have high levels of anxiety extreme high levels of selfishness and infantilization like it's, it is not just that people are having trouble finding partners, it's that people are shitty partners now. I'm sorry. Well, that true. and they are unwilling to ideologically compromise as yeah. you know, we talked about in another video, the progressive party sort of becomes a party of feminist ideals and the conservative party becomes a party of masculine ideals. You, you are getting more and more women in sort of this liberal bubble and men in a more conservative bubble and unable to really humanize the other side in a meaningful way yeah. or talk across the aisle. And so as a quote here from this one article, liberal women and conservative men who want to marry face a particular challenge. Not enough single partners of the correct political persuasion are available today. In broad terms, there are only 0.6 single liberal young men for each single liberal young woman. <laughs> Likewise, there are only 0.5 conservative young women that exist for every conservative young man. And there's there's less willingness to even befriend people across the aisle now than before, mm -hmm. especially among people who are progressive. It's also shown that now, like you can see, there are other graphs for this. Women, young women are much more likely to be progressive and young men are much more likely to be conservative. So between all these things, like not not only is it that, you know, you, you have Whoa. people less willing to cross the aisle, you now have more polarization. So we're in a terrible well, Yeah, but I, I mean, I really want to highlight the statistics I just went to. That's pretty chilling. If, if I am yeah. a man and I say I will only date conservative women, hmm. for every conservative young single woman, there are two single young conservative men. For every, now I'm a woman and I say I only want to date progressive men, for every single progressive young man, there are two progressive women looking to only date these, these. So, and, and, and people are like, but how can you date across the aisle? Right. 
And the answer is I did basically, or I didn't even really, I was probably have been considered a progressive when I met you and, and you were a progressive as well, I guess you could say, but yeah. So we, we, people change their views. You know, Mm -hmm. what you are looking for is not somebody who agrees with you, but somebody who is open to logic and debate and discussion mm-hmm. and then judges their world perspectives not on feelings but on logic mm-hmm. and, you and someone can who can grow with you a lot of like, women on the progressive side that are like that oh totally yeah who would absolutely change their views assuming that they're capable of being open-minded so the mm-hmm. key is to find someone open-minded with whom you can grow together and that's also with the assumption that you're gonna add some nuance to your views as well what i do really hate though is actually we 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 know a lot of men who've just bitten the bullet and married progressive wives that I feel like they'll just never intellectually respect because their wives are so off the rails, like just delusional in so many ways. And it's really sad to see that. Like, you know, these people are going to have kids together and they are so ideologically at odds. It's almost like they're just like, well, yeah, I mean, like I'm going to have to tolerate her in the way that like you know trophy wife husbands you know just tolerate some dumb woman and buy a bunch of gifts for her but that's not a real marriage you know it, it really gets to me you know I, yeah I, i've seen marriages like this myself and it's it's sad to see but i i don't know for you know with the guys that we know who do it they're wealthy enough that they had other options i think that they just didn't put the effort into sourcing they were lazy then on the woman's side and i think this is a a big critique of men now is that there's a pretty big growth in like men children who just do not take care of themselves and there's this whole meme online of i think it's called like single married women who feel like they're living the life of a single mother but then they have to like clean up for their husband. And basically their husband is like another child that they have to take care of. They have to cook for him, they have to clean up for him, they have to do everything for him. And he doesn't really pitch in, but he may not even have a job, you know? So he like, men also aren't like you and that like you care for the kids, you take them to the doctor, you do their appointments, you do all the outside house maintenance, you know, like things like that. So, you know, there are many, again, I'm saying like, we're looking well, yeah, a lot I of mean, people are married I, because everyone's failing. You know, guys who are out there looking for a domestic, this is why they're not finding a wife because the, the, those aren't like a thing out there anymore, you know? And, and it, or at least not a thing in like the type of woman who you want genetically contributing to your kids, you know? So I, I think that it's, it's difficult. It's, it's really difficult. And I understand that, but I think that these yeah. stats highlight the difficulty of finding a partner and part of why people aren't getting married, I think it, or a big part like a small part, I think a pretty big part is this political polarization of the masculine and feminine within the two party structure that's leading to uh, in in the further drift apart of these two parties. And it really Um, isn't sustainable to marry someone that you don't respect or like. And it's another, another reason why this is super not cool. It's we also know some parents who like very clearly don't have much affection for their children and our theory for as to why that is the case is they see so much of their the child's other parent that they really don't like in that child. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. And I think one of the reasons why you and I love our kids so much is we love each other so much. It's like, I, I, I love having a pocket, Malcolm. I love <laughs> more of you in the world yeah, they, and I they, see they it in really them. They really have your personality. Uh, yeah. I, I see it all the time. 
Well, so this just brings me to another point that I also see with these guys who compromise on personality for looks. Mm. And, and a big part of this is, as a guy, being able to say that looks are dramatically less important in who you marry than who you have sex with. Mm. And a lot of guys just don't get that. Like, you do not actually need to find who you marry particularly attractive. You will find them attractive after a while. Like, it's just not that important. It's not like out there dating. Well, in but terms it, of appearance, I think my hot take is that like the, the key thing is like neatness and signs of conscientiousness. Do they dress, you know, in, in a decent and good manner? Are they neat? Is their hair well kept up? Like is, is their skin maintained? Like are they showing basic signs of being conscientious? Okay, that is all you need. Yeah, I, I really only look at, I, I I mean, I think the easiest thing for that is obesity rates. Like as, as long as they're not obese, I basically considered them viable when I was out there dating. And and I'm not saying that you're not a beautiful, wonderful woman, Simone. I'm just saying that that didn't. It's okay, Malcolm. We we know. I'm definitely not even the. Even, uh, I'm, I'm not even like probably in the top five in attractiveness of all of your past girlfriends, and I'm not even referring to the women that you slept with. So, okay. don't worry about it. It's fine. I, I well, <laughs> I mean, what I'm saying is, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm looking. I'm not looking away from you intentionally. There's like a line of deer going by, and it's very interesting oh. to watch. There's like a traffic jam. If you compromise on something like narcissism, if you compromise on something like some level of sociopathy and the people you're dating, if you compromise on them being boring people or not that intelligent, that's the compromise you're making in your sons and in your daughters. Oh, yeah. And that yeah. will affect you potentially as much or more than even the lack of those traits in your spouse. Yeah, you're going to have to live with that for the rest of your life. And that also is you, you know, like you're it's, it's one thing to like throw in your cards with a spouse, but like to make a version of yourself that is like literally genetically combined with someone. You got to choose well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I really like it because I see all sorts of flaws in myself and I'm like, wow, we're fixing them. And are you just amazed by these deer? What's going on? There are like 16. I've never seen so many. I don't see them. Are they on the other side of the road? Yeah, they're on the other side of the road. There's just so freaking many. And I'm afraid that they are all about to kill themselves and throw themselves into the busy road. And then I have to call the freaking state route people. And they're going to be like, oh, no, I think that's a local route. And then I call the local people. And they're like, no, it's a state route. And then, and yeah. Ugh. Remember that time when we had an author at our house and then we heard a gunshot and we were all like, well, I guess yeah, so we, we had a guy to come to our house who is a pretty famous author and his next book's going to be on genius. And so, of course, he needed to meet with us uh, because <laughs> we are. Well, it's a Simone, to be honest, within intellectual circles, we are seen as some of the smartest people in the no, world. No, he chose us because we're trying to manufacture genius with our children. We're selecting for IQ and we're creating a school that is designed to I don't think genius. That that's it. I think that you you I will put good money on this. I will make a good money off of a bet here, but that's beside the point. We hear this gunshot right as we're all about to go to bed. And he's the one who picked it up. You and I were just kind of like herpy derp. And he's like, that was a gunshot. And he gets really nervous. And so we all like sit on the floor in like a core part of our house because we're like, don't worry, we have all these sort of like safe room backups. And also we have a ton of guns. So if anything happens. And then finally we realized that like the police had just shot a deer that had been hit by a car right outside our house and just neglected to tell us. And they just whatever. left it there. And then, yeah, then they just left it there. And then I, I had to spend like the next three weeks trying to call someone to take this rotting deer carcass <laughs> out of the front of our house. And so that's why I'm watching these deer with great interest because they are like 
they look like they really want to just lemming off this this hill and just right into the increasingly busy traffic i'm not excited about this uh, well we hope well, i hope none of the cars veer into our house yeah again <laughs> anyway where were we sorry ugliness men choosing attractive Talking women about, uh, so uh, dumb politics politics and dating politics these days and dating yeah yeah, people, dear people, get over yourself. Choose a smart partner who's capable of changing. Basically, if, if, if they look conscientious, generally healthy, and intellectually curious enough to change their minds, they're probably ideologically aligned as, as they're ever going to be. Like, d don't choose, like, a default setting. Because also, like, let's say that you... Do they determine what's true in the same way that you determine what's true. Mm, I mean, oh, that's key. to logic and stuff like that. One of the things yeah. we've been developing this religious system that has really been impressed upon me in my fortune in choosing you as a wife is this sort of inherent, I would almost say genetic in, in both of us hostility to mysticism uh. and anything that is, you know, not, not grounded in sort of hard replicability. Like mm. science is the wrong word these days, right? But it really colors a lot of, as we are beginning to, because, you know, as we met, we didn't think we would get into religious thought at all. Both of us were pretty staunch atheists. And so this is not something that we anticipated. But as we have, we are incredibly copacetic in terms of how we think about things in a way I didn't anticipate at all, you know, because it wasn't something I vetted you for as a spouse. Yeah, no, we are just lucky there. But I think also... If you, on our first date, laid out your life philosophy like you did, and I said something like, well, that's typical for a Capricorn, you'd probably be like, okay, thanks, bye. You know what I mean? Oh, I definitely wouldn't breed with someone. I probably wouldn't even have sex with someone who said something like that. I'd find them well, too- Well, and that's like a, a fundamental <laughs> sign that they believe in sort of non-evidence-based spiritual nonsense, and they use that as a basis of truth, and therefore you would not be compatible. Yeah, well, and this is something I've also said with, with some men who have been out there looking for partners, is, is women often follow men in their lives in terms of their religious stuff. If you really dedicate yourself to it and you are a paragon within that religious system, not if you're like lazy about it or something like that and you're using it mm -hmm. to get them to do things for you, but if you really embody it, a lot of women are actually pretty happy to go along with that, even if they appear very secular when mm -hmm. you first start engaging with them. Well, uh, and there are some women who are... I would argue too, like you might both be conservative, but they end mm -hmm. up being so rigidly conservative that there's a lot of stuff that you don't, you can't do in life. So it's more like, yeah, what are their heuristics for changing their mind and determining truth rather than like how from the get go aligned are they with me right now? Yeah. I really agree with that. Well, I love you to death, Simone, and this has been a fun adventure and discussion. But uh, what people always, they, they, any discussion that involves statistics always does unusually well. Any discussion that involves religion usually does unusually poorly. And those are our, our two big heuristics with our videos. Um, other than that, I, I don't really know. Yeah, I can't predict anymore. It doesn't make sense to me. But audience suggestions are welcome. God, they're lining. Oh, God. Okay, you know what? Maybe if... <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just so scared. These deer are going to kill them. Oh, they're playing. They're playing with fire, Malcolm. We've got a bunch of suicidal deer outside and this is not good. So I, I guess we're going to sign off with that and hope that we don't have 
17 deer carcasses outside our house in five minutes. Oh, they're playing that. They're playing on the cliff. They're mm, okay. Okay. I love you. I love you too. Oh, God.